Welcome to the Thundercast, your martial athletics podcast produced by the fans, for the fans, with your hosts, Russ Livingood and KD Hudnall. We're bringing you the thundering word on the thundering herd each and every week. So keep it right here. The Thundercast is on the loose. Thanks for downloading another episode of The Thundercast, brought to you by 304carwreck.com. Find us on Twitter at Thundercast underscore pod. And of course, now everybody is tuning into The Thundercast, the weekly episodes that can be found just about anywhere, but all the major ones we've got covered. We appreciate everyone that has subscribed, is listening. Please remember to give us a review and a rating. It really helps other Herd fans find the show. And if you would also be so kind, uh, share the links with your friends. Let them know what's going on in uh, herd athletics as the hosts of the Thundercast see it. This week, aside from just listening to Russ and I yammer on, we got somebody really special with us. I'm really excited to have this gentleman on the show with us. We've got Steve New, uh, a name that many of you across uh, herd fandom universe will recognize. Huge longtime herd fan, prominent Beckley attorney, and more to come. But Steve's joining us throughout the show, actually for the duration of the show. But before we get into all that, let's give you a word from our sponsor, 304carwreck.com. If you've been hurt in a wreck, visit 304carwreck.com on the web or on Facebook. Our roads are full of uninsured drivers. When they hurt you, your insurance company can become their insurance company. Insurance companies take your money every month, but they fight you when it's their turn to pay. Don't be a victim twice. Jason and Matt can't protect you from uninsured drivers, but they can protect you from the insurance companies. Find them at 304carwreck.com. Russ, it's another busy week in herd athletics as many of the teams wind down their seasons. The Conference USA era for the majority of herd athletics has finally come to a bitter end. And we are yeah. on uh, to brighter horizons. So uh, with that in mind, give me five things that every herd fan needs to know this week. All right. Here's the five things every herd fan needs to know. Brought to you by Ignite Link the Tri-State's premier IT management team. Number one, uh, kind of a shock right out of the bat. Tamar Slay is leaving the basketball program after only a few weeks on the job as an assistant coach. Thoughts? Uh, yeah. Uh, surprising, but I get it. I mean, family mm -hmm. first. Um, Steve, I know you're a huge basketball fan. I'm sure you got feelings on this. So, you know, Tamar Slay kind of uh, grand opening, grand closing type thing as far as the coaching staff goes. What do you think? It's really sad to me because um, I was really excited to hear. Uh, I love when sons and daughters of Marshall come back to Marshall. Yeah. Because I, I think that for those of us, who went to school there, who graduated from there, and bleed green, uh, I think it just means a little bit more than other folks to whom it may just be a job. Now, it may not. And, and you know, I've seen it go both ways. You know, I've seen Sons of Marshall come and coach football, basketball, whatever, not do the greatest of jobs. Uh, I've seen people come from the outside in. Uh, you know, and do bang up jobs. So 
But with Tamar, I was really hopeful, uh, especially as a Beckley transplant. I mean, this is my adopted hometown. Uh, Tamar is very beloved down here. I was hopeful that Tamar may have been like a coach in waiting uh, type, uh, you know, someone who could also uh, touch base with and have more in common with some of the younger players. Now, you know, Tamar's, I don't know what he is, probably 35, 40, but still I, I was thinking, uh, you know, his connection with the younger players may be just a little bit more. So I'm disappointed on a lot of levels just personally, but as you said, if there are family obligations, uh, you know, and, and it didn't get any more specific than that, but if family obligations have to take him back to Charlotte, I understand that. Wish tomorrow well. Uh, I hope that whoever they get, you know, uh, whoever that may be as a coach in waiting or someone who's going to be Danny's heir apparent, uh, you know, is a, is a really high quality coach. Yeah, I don't think this really uh, slams the door on a potential return for tomorrow some point down the road. I mean, maybe right. it's just simple logistics that got in the way and and things things happen, man. Life happens and you know, yeah. not all scenarios are ideal and this one looked like it was going to be and then maybe it wasn't. It was till it wasn't and it could be just that simple. But it would have been cool to have Corny and Tamar on the staff and and you know, you got that Marshall vibe and I mean, it, it just would have been cool. So, you know, maybe it will happen further down the line. But for now, yeah, we gotta got to find us another assistant. Yeah, and I was kind of looking forward to that pipeline that could have come out of that area. You know, he's done a lot with AAU down there and uh, yeah. various yeah. different things. Uh, his son is a heck of a talent, you know, if you follow any of what he's done as well. Um, but family comes first in most of our lives you know we've all had to think about if we haven't had to make difficult decisions uh or we've been faced with the hypothetical of family versus jobs and mm -hmm. things like that and uh i get it i respect it i just hate to see it but now we got to move forward see who we're going to get in Yep, it's, that's the name of the game. It, I mean, you say it all the time when you're talking about football or most other sports. It's next man up, and it just usually next doesn't revolve up. around the coaching staff. But here that's we are. Right. Uh, nice bummer of a, of a number one thing, Russ. Let's pick it up a little bit. What do you got here for number two? Jeez. <laughs> oh, well, if you're are looking you for good news. going to keep kicking me while I'm down? Is that what we're doing? <laughs> yeah, if, you, if you're looking for good news, number two ain't it. Uh, number two, recent all-time – Career home run leader for softball, Maya Stevenson has entered the transfer portal. Yeah, that and one sucks. It that does. Sucks. Now we and know that's the name of the game with sports now, with collegiate sports, the transfer portals here is not going away. It's adapt or die and all that good stuff. And we talk about that, but this one stings. And I'm gonna tell you why this stings. And I don't wish anything negative against Maya. I think she's got to do what she's got to thinks is best for her. All the best of luck to her. But the, it's a bummer to me because you just became the all-time home run queen. Like, stick around and give me that curtain call season. Like, finish it out here. Put that record out of reach. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, if it was a, a scenario where it was just about any other scenario, I'd be like 100% fine with it. But I feel like, man, you just, you just ascended to the top of the mountain on the home run list. Um, 
give us that curtain call, you know, give me that, give me that one more season to maybe put 80, uh, you know, up there beside your name for the home run count. But, you know, that is a bummer. That was a, that was a big blow. So here's where I'm at on it. One, we have grown very close to this softball team through our coverage of this and interaction with uh, uh, coaching staff, players, fans, parents, that sort of thing on on Twitter. Uh, So it stings a little bit more there, but here's the way I look at it. We would be overly thrilled, and we have been, and we'll talk about more on this show when we get transfers, especially – we say, you know, well, this person is a grad transfer and that's the situation here. Yeah. She's a daughter of Marshall. She always will be, but she has already graduated or I assume uh, was this semester, if not earlier. Um, She is moving on via grad transfer. Um, If she gets to take a step up and she feels like, well, you know, I'm going to move on. I don't, I don't know why, um, I just know that if we are, if we're going to look at it, it is the portal giveth, the portal taketh away. And we are overly enjoyed when we get all of these people coming in from these other schools. And, you know, we are, are congratulating them. Welcome, welcome. So we can't really, you know, think bad about somebody when they're leaving and doing the same thing. It sucks because, they're leaving our school, but I wish Maya all the best. And, uh, you know, now we just need to bring in somebody again, next man up. That's, I mean, I'm, I, again, I have no ill will towards her at all. I hope she goes out and puts 40 for the next stop. You know, the, the next yes. place she goes, I hope she puts 40 up for them, but it just would have been cool to, to put that record so far out of reach. I got a question for you guys. Um, this is what's a little perplexing to me as someone who doesn't follow uh, women's softball, collegiate softball as a sport. Um, what else could be out there? Now, I could see uh, men and women in basketball or football players, you know, really using the heck out of that transfer portal to try to get somewhere, um, you know, who's maybe doing – uh, bigger, better NIL deals, or, hey, I need to get somewhere to elevate my profile to try to take it to the next level, to the pro level, you know, things like that. Uh, am I mistaken? There's there's not a professional women's softball league. So I kind of like to know, you know, if there's anything like that or is she moving closer to home or kind of the real reason, you know, that's going on here. Uh, you know, I doubt seriously that the university of wherever she's going is giving her the keys to a new Mercedes, uh, <laughs> you know, things like that. So I'd be curious to see what the real reason is for uh, the grad transfer. Uh, you know, maybe the next school gives her a better shot at making the Olympics in 24. You know, who knows? That's a good point. Uh, one hypothetical that I thought of, again, this is nothing anybody has said. There's not been a rumor about it. But just thinking about a grad transfer, it's an opportunity to go get a master's or something, a, a higher level degree at a different uh, university that perhaps isn't here, uh, could simultaneously be closer to home. We don't know where she's going to end up yet, um, but you know, already got the degree here, has a chance to move on and get that 
secondary degree paid for. Uh, so I could see that sure. angle. Yeah, um, yeah I, I could see that makes a lot of sense for us that, you know, if she's able to go and get a master's or get started at least on a doctorate or something like that at a more high profile university or something like that with what she wants to do uh, long term, I, I could understand that. I don't think anybody here you know, it's casting any aspersions or anything no, like sure. that. It was just pure curiosity. On, no, on I think, I think yeah. if anything, uh, herd fans are thankful for what they've been able to witness for the last four years, the sheer greatness that uh, Maya brought to the lineup game in and game out. And she comes from Mesquite, Texas. So she's kind of far away from home. And if you can get back to that uh, Texas, Oklahoma era where, you know, they kind of compete for, um, you know, the softball world series type stuff every year, then, you know, maybe there's going to be an opportunity there for her to get to the the softball world series or something. We don't know. Mm -hmm. We don't know who's been talking to her or where her options are, but all we know is that she won't be in Kelly green and white next year, which sucks. So yeah. And Oklahoma is one of those programs that is like yeah. the Alabama of uh, softball. softball. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I'm, I know I'm not that suggesting much. I know that I, Oklahoma <laughs> takes the softball serious. I'm, I'm not suggesting that's where she ends up, but in this hypothetical, let's say that she has a goal to go to one of those programs that is perennial. It might be the situation where you look at it from, uh, you know, the longtime Cincinnati Reds guy knows that he's not going to win a, a, a ring under Bob Castellini and crew as a Reds fan, I know. So <laughs> you can't really say, you know, hey, stick around here. We'll get you a ring, yeah. that sort of thing. Now, I'm not trying to bring Marshall down, but comparing the two programs, you know, it's a it's an easier path yeah. when you're going to a perennial powerhouse. Yeah. Uh, mm -hmm. So perhaps that might be a situation too is, Hey, I would, you know, I've done everything that I can at Marshall. Yeah. I, I've graduated from there, have a chance to go get a degree and possibly win a championship. And that's a good, that's a good point. You keep saying you graduated and that, keep, you know, we use the term grad transfer and you just kind of gloss over that, but she fulfilled her obligation to Marshall. She got her, she that's got exactly her degree right. here. She got a like, degree. I mean, in, in all Honestly, she owes Marshall nothing. She got her yeah. degree. She did her four years. She, so, I mean, best of luck to her. Again, it just sucks. I'd like to see yeah. one more. I'd like to see the the, per, the the selfish fan in me would have liked to have gotten the curtain call season in Kelly Green. That's it. That's all. That's yeah. it. Well, and we're, and we're going to be inquisitive and questioning by nature, uh, you know, human nature. You want to know why. And, you know, we may never know why. Uh, but. I, I agree. I took the same uh, path when uh, Jansen Williams transferred, uh, you know, we had two of them right there in basketball. Um, they transferred. They had already met their obligations, like you said, of their four-year degrees. Did mm -hmm. I hate seeing them transfer? Yes. Yeah. As a home fan. Sure. Yeah. But I cheered them on. I even watched some of their games, you know, at the, at the, uh, next stops that they were at and uh i want nothing but the best for them and i think they will always be sons of marshall that's the same way that i'm taking here with maya 100 agree can you bring it up a notch please gosh that's two bad yeah. ones can we get a third one well you're gonna hate this one i'm just kidding uh number three with the one year anniversary of the national championship uh marshall put up some new signage at hoops field uh, very nice uh, professional-looking sign commemorating the 2020 National Championship there. 
looks good. That field, that uh, complex is great. Now we got, uh, instead of a banner, it is affixed to the, the building. I mean, the star over the shield is everything, right? Or the crest. Yeah. The star over the, the crest, crest is everything. That's everything. Yeah, it looks, looks great. Yeah. Uh, but, I mean, it's just one more thing. You know, we've talked about facilities a little bit. But if you build it, they will come. I mean, think about when that thing went there. I don't know that anyone thought, hey, we're going to have a national championship and be able to put something on the side of the building there for soccer when that place was being designed or freshly christened and now from the grapevine i've heard grassy says over the next five years he thinks that they're going to add at least two more good so you know that's the sort of thing we we've built the facility then we built the program we're a machine now you know someone came and snagged one of our uh, longtime assistant coaches and everything so hanging the banner that's uh you know um kind of the proverbial hanging your hat you know hey i did that he's not satisfied let's put a couple more up there as i can tell you i i didn't get this gray hair uh you know that's not sprayed in there that's real and <laughs> uh, russ knows that because he, he knows uh, how much older i am uh than than him uh but anyway guys i graduated from marshall in 1994 and, and I knew a number of those Marshall soccer players, you know, and you had the Merrick brothers who, uh, you know, Willie kicks the, the national the championship kick. winning the kick, uh, you know, on December the 19th, 1992. And, you know, Tim Openlander, uh, who is now a Beckley transplant, he played soccer and football at Marshall in the mid-90s. Doggone it, those guys didn't have anywhere to yeah. practice at Marshall. The, the, the outdoor is where the indoor football facility was now, uh, and it stunk. We did yeah. ROTC in Gullickson Hall, and when the weather was bad, those poor soccer players were in there on the old basketball floors in the gym in Gullickson Hall. So to Russ's point, you build fine facilities – you're able to recruit high-quality players who at least walk into this facility and go, wow, this yeah. is pretty amazing. You know, I've compared this to, you know, West Virginia or Kentucky or Florida or South Carolina or wherever, and I'd just assume being here in Huntington, West Virginia, and starting for Marshall, as I would playing in one of those other places, and uh, I see a devotion in, in this field which is where the, the uh, field house used to be. And, uh, and I think that just goes along with it. But, wow, I mean, what a feather in our cap to be a school of martial size, not thought of as any type of a perennial soccer power. Now we are. Yep. Now, yeah. now we're going to be able to sell that for a long, long time. And I'll tell you, uh, you know, dovetails into some of what we're going to talk about later, but uh, donors will open the checkbooks if they see a winner mm -hmm. and uh, you know, soccer team right now, I'm sure if they, you know, that soccer coach or the AD picks up the phone and says, we need to raise X number of dollars for this. Uh, I don't have any trouble doing that. Yeah. yeah. It, and it, same tree, different branch. 
fans love a winner for attendance purposes too. And we saw that after the national championship game, not only had, you know, the attendance picked up because of the successes they were having, but they had to put in temporary bleachers for this last year. And those were pretty much sold out as well. And that brings up a quick little point. Those tickets are going on sale soon. They are now putting bleachers on the north side, the opposite of the where the stands have been solely for this next year. So, I mean, it just continues to expand. You don't know how many people we may have at this facility in the next five years. Yeah. Uh, and you talk about putting another couple up there. You had to put another couple of stars above that crest because you've got two more national championships. We may have a 10,000 seat facility and <laughs> tickets are hard to come by. Yeah. And, you know, that blows my mind from, you know, 10 years ago, even, you know? Yeah. Hey guys, one of the things that I'd like to see Marshall do, uh, I know they do this out of necessity with the baseball team, but having to go to Charleston and things like that. Uh, next time I get to talk to somebody uh, who's got a little bit of bass in their voice and a little bit of stroke in school. I think I'm going to suggest them going to Shawnee. Uh, my friend Ben Salango is a county commissioner in Charleston. Uh, he's also a, a great attorney. And he helped – it was his vision that built Shawnee and that complex there that now brings all of this travel sports soccer into the Kanawha Valley. How great would it be to get Marshall out there to uh, Institute Dunbar into Kanawha County to show off a yeah. national caliber. And, and you could even do that in other places. Sure. Uh, you know, what we've got great facilities. Chris Klein built the Paul Klein uh, soccer field uh, here in Beckley. And uh, I don't know if soccer lends itself to that, but doggone it, I sure would like to see uh, this soccer team do a little bit of what the baseball team does and get the herd out. Uh, in the community some. I I don't know whether that's feasible or not, uh, but I sure would like to see it. Well, and Barbersville is uh, still ongoing with their construction bid out at Barbersville Park, which is a a great asset to our area. They are building a 15-field soccer complex out there for all the tournaments that are they've been hosting. It will allow them to host even better, uh, you know, facilities. I mean, Steve, even if they did like, you know, scrimmages and things like that to, you know, hey, you don't have to travel all the way down to Huntington. You can come out and see this program. You know, it gives them a little field practice and doing what you're talking about, kind of showing off a little travel. I think, yeah, I think I think a really neat thing to do. You're talking about going to Charleston. I mean, you've got the University of Charleston right there, who's a division, two. I think powerhouse in soccer so even mm-hmm. an exhibition match between the herd yeah. and uc you would think would be a pretty big draw around charleston in the greater metro area and, and i that's mean where grassy that, came from that's exactly what i was getting ready to say that's where yeah, we get chris sure. grassy from so it seems like a natural type thing that that you know they could have a friendly and and just you know put on an exhibition match it doesn't mean anything except for um what it means you know just an exhibition but that would be cool i like that idea uh, to expand yeah, the footprint a little bit and, uh, you know, <laughs> always thinking. That's what I like about you, Steve, always thinking. <laughs> yeah. All right, let's go to number four. Uh, Tony Stroud has been named the new general counsel for Marshall, 
He replaces Leighton Cottrell, who held the position for the last 33 years. We're talking about 1989 is when he came into that position. I want to hear from Steve because he's an attorney and because he was around for a long time here uh, and maybe had some dealings. Don't know. Steve, what you got? Um, well, I've already mentioned one of my WVU College of Law class of 1998 classmates. And I'm proud to say that Harmon Tony Stroud is also <laughs> a graduate of the WVU College of Law, class of 1998. And he has been super successful at everything that we've done since we graduated law school. Uh, Tony worked for the law firm of Steptoe & Johnson in law school. Uh, very large, uh, you know, national and regional law firm, very well known. And he did well with that. And then just a few years uh, with him being in private practice, concentrating in workers' comp law, uh, West Virginia workers' comp was privatized, as you guys know. And uh, Brick Street Insurance was formed. And so uh, Brick Street eventually became Incova Insurance. They're a big supporter of uh, Marshall University Athletics. Yep. And uh, Tony had served on the board. I'm just going to tell you, Tony is an extremely hard worker. He is very, very smart. Uh, he has tremendous experience growing. Uh, he helped Brick Street grow into what has become Incova Insurance. Uh, Tony has great connections all over this state. Uh, he's, he's, he's a hard worker. He's whip smart. Uh, you know, I think he's young, uh, early 50s, kind of like me. He's a couple years older than me, uh, maybe worked. Uh, for the state doing workers comp before we started law school in August of 95. But I can't say enough great things about having Tony Stroud as the general counsel of Marshall University. Tony has led green for as long as I've known him up there in Morgantown. There were very few of us that wore the colors. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Because we were deep in enemy territory. Oh. Uh, and so – but, you know, Tony's one of those guys <laughs> like me and, uh, uh, you know, uh, Judge Greg Howard in Cabell County and, uh, you know, uh, a few others of us. We, we proudly wore the Marshall Green when we were in law school. So Tony has bled green from the first day that I met him. Uh, I love this hire, guys. I don't That's think uh, I, I think you just won over most of the listening base when you said you were sporting <laughs> Kelly Green in Morgantown. That's all they needed. Oh, yeah. They're like, well, yeah. he's the guy. I, I had one of those shirts. They, they sold this at Stationer's Bookstore and it had the old school Marshall logo on the front chest and on the back. It said, friends, don't let friends go to WVU. <laughs> and I, I wore that shirt about once a week and the assistant dean in law school threatened to have me thrown out. Uh, he said, you need to burn that shirt. I said, y'all need to burn this school down. Uh, so, uh... 
But it's uh, uh, it's uh, anytime you're filling the shoes of somebody that was on the post for 33 years, it's a big deal. 33 mm-hmm. years. So you've got to get it right. I mean, you've got yeah. to you've got to get that right. And to be such a high profile position as a general counsel for the university, it really doesn't get too much more high profile than that. And yeah. right. I, I have to yield to your expertise, right? Because I don't, I don't know about such things. So it sounds like Marshall got it right. And if this mm-hmm. is the guy that leads us into the next era, two or three or four eras, great. I'm, I, I think uh, I will stand by your, uh, your, your words and say they did the right thing and made the right hire. I, I think that for what they want to do, you've got University President Brad Smith now, yep. you know, and and with Tony as his counsel uh, and, and some other pieces that I think they're trying to put in place there. Um, these are the types of people for the 21st century that Marshall are going, Marshall's going to have to have in place. And quick note, guys, uh, he was a current uh, board of governor uh, uh, person. So he is resigning from that, which opens up a spot. So uh, it's kind of like, you know, because he is so qualified to fill this position, you know, you have an opportunity to bring in another person, you know, to where he steps away from the Board of Governors, brings someone else into the Board of Governors. You fill two good positions that way with two good qualified people. So great move all around, in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah, you've really picked up the five things I hear the past couple. (laughs) Well, let's finish them off here with uh, number five. Season tickets for football are now on sale. I think it was two shows ago we uh, talked about the uh, renewals were over. The contest had ended with the black helmet being the final drawing. Yeah. And uh, we said, you know, probably around June those will go on. Well, it's a little bit. Uh, quicker than that because on may the 18th they went on sale and they have a couple of new things that they are doing and uh you guys go ahead i'm going to bring those up talk about season tickets and uh and things and i'm going to bring up some of the stuff that they are going to feature this year so why wait until june the first right strike while the iron's hot everybody's excited about the end of the conference usa Prison sentence, we're heading to the Sun Belt. I mean, try to get those people to spend that money now. Um, I know that they brought back the $99 uh, season tickets for the end zone again. We talked about the family section where they're doing a minimum of four. And it was it like a, it's the 179 section or something that if you buy at least four, it drops down to 99 bucks a piece. I $99. Mean, they're yeah. like, it's I mean, they're really trying. They're trying, guys. You got to meet them halfway here. You can't expect, you know, to, to get a $10 ticket, but I mean, damn, they're really making it affordable and they want a packed house. Uh, you know, I'm, I live way down here in Florida. That's well-documented. I'm trying to figure out how many games I can get my butt back to, you know, I've got, I'm zeroed in on two and two's hopefully going to be what I can make. But Steve, uh, I mean, big football fan. We talked about you being a huge basketball fan, equally as big football fan, longtime football fan. You've been through it all. The SoCon, the, the MAC, the Conference USA, and now we're looking at the Sun Belt. We're going to deep dive into some of that a little bit later when we just get to shoot the breeze with you. But um, it's renewal. Well, it's not even renewal time. It's football season, right? It's getting. I mean, is it not getting your blood pumping too? Uh, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, it, it, it's usually August 1st. You know, that's my anniversary. And then 
boom, it's football season. <laughs> yeah. you know, two a day start and all of that other kind of stuff. But I, I mean, yeah, you know, diehards like us are going to talk about football in the months of May and June yeah. and July, much, much to the chagrin of basketball and baseball and hockey fans. So, uh, but Marshall needs to do what it can uh, because, uh, you know, you, you had the whatever that went on a few years ago where, you know, there was the big seat mix up yeah. and, and all of that kind of stuff. And, you know, people lost where they had sat for 25 years or what have you. Oh, okay. I get it. But we're in a new phase now. You know, we're a coach or two removed from that. Uh, and we have to get back to putting butts in seats. I think that the new AD probably recognizes. I know that the new head coach recognizes that butts and seats have to be there. It's, it's the Joan has a totally different feel when there's 20 or 25,000 people in that stadium than when it's 30 or 35 plus. You know, you think about Louisville, Purdue, West Virginia, Kansas State back in the day, or <laughs> Moss, Pennington, <laughs> Chapman, uh, Leftwich, yeah. you know, and Darius Watts, all of those guys that won all of those championships. But there wasn't a seat to be found in the zone mm-hmm. then. You know, you, you, look at, you, uh, you look at what the stadium was then, uh, and of course, it was it was less capacity. And then, you know, when we went to Conference USA, we, you know, it's like a, a forty-two thousand seat capacity now. But you know, if, if your capacity's thirty-four or thirty-five, and, and you've got twenty-eight in there, you know, uh, whatever that Mingo County math works out to there. <laughs> but if you've only got if you've only got twenty-two. 25 in a 42,000 seat stadium. It, it's a bad look, guys. So, yeah. uh, man, I really, really hope that this works. And another thing, I keep hearing this from all of my young friends, younger than me. There's so many different entertainment options now, you know, with streaming services and online video games and all of that kind of stuff, you know, just 15 years ago, uh, there weren't quite as many entertainment options. A lot of entertainment venues, uh, be they movies, uh, arts, uh, whatever they are, are starting to feel some of the crunch uh, of, you know, live attendance uh, issues. Uh, I, I, I'm on the board of Theater West Virginia down here uh, in Beckley, and we do uh, outdoor dramas. My daughter's been involved in that since 2013. And uh, we hear a lot of that from the consultants who try to help us, is that there are a lot of, there's a great deal of competition for the entertainment dollar. And Marshall, uh, you know, has got to have the pros on it, figuring out, hey, look, right here in the tri-state area, we've got X number of people. And what do we do to reach those people who are trying to figure out how to spend their entertainment dollar? Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's talk real quick about that dollar. We've mentioned this on other shows uh, here previously, but 99 bucks divided by six, six games. And this is probably the best home slate I have seen in a long time. 
but it's sixteen dollars and fifty cents a ticket mm-hmm. if you get a season ticket, not just in the end zone, which we talked about. We've had those before. They are not bad seats, but you can get the family pack over there, uh, you know, on the sidelines for ninety nine dollars per seat. I mean, that's that's stretching your money and getting a great value out of this ticket. Yeah. Now, I told you I was going to look these up. The perks this year, it says there's a new annual gift uh, for people that are getting tickets for the first time. You also have exclusive cookout access. Uh, you can do a payment plan. So you don't have to, you know, if you're getting four tickets for 99 bucks each, they can put you on a payment plan. And uh, it really is the cheapest per game option. As we discussed, you know, you get them at the gate. Uh, I think they're 25 bucks on average yeah. for, uh, for the general admission. I think it's a so, 25 buck end zone and like 35 bucks sideline most of the time, unless it's a marquee opponent. Marquee will go up to 30 sometimes, if not more. more. And then, more. you know, yeah. And then you play, uh, you know, the occasional uh, uh, FCS school and it may drop down to 20. So dropping down to 20 is still more expensive than yeah. buying, you know, these. And uh, it's just a good, uh, good deal, man. Stretch that entertainment dollar, like we said. But that's my five things that I've got that every herd fan needs to know. And it was brought to you by Ignite Link. That's a mixed bag of five things, but I'll take yeah. it. Uh, let's... I never said five positive things. I said five <laughs> things. Five things, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, that's good because it's not always positive, but it's always also not always negative. But look, I want to continue this conversation we were just having. And now okay. is the is the we're going to call it the featured story of the week. And, and but it's the, it's prime time with Steve New here. We're just going to get his thoughts and we're going to talk about a few uh, topics and we're just going to shoot the breeze for a little bit and see what kind of pops out. Right. And we were on, we were on a good trajectory there with the football stadium. And that's a great one. I want to go right back into that because there's been, let's introduce Steve to people that may not, may not know him. Uh, I'll handle a little bit. If you want to chime in, Steve, go ahead. KD, you do the same. I only got Uh, one. I only got one thing. And, and, and I'm, I've had it cocked and loaded for a while, so please go ahead. All right. Well, I bet I steal it from you because Steve <laughs> New hails from Gilbert, West Virginia, state champs, 95. Damn it. That was what I, I was going to say. God. I knew it. I knew it. I got it. I it was it. five years after I graduated high <laughs> school, matter. by the way, just for the record. Were you there? But I was uh, there in Wheeling. I was, I I was drove, too. I, from Morgantown. To Wheeling during finals in law school to watch my boys win that. That's right. Man. Phil Cook's interception, sealing the deal. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, Steve yeah. comes from the great booming metropolis of Gilbert, West yeah. Virginia, which uh, most of you have heard me say on, on the show before. That's where I'm from. Steve will probably remember me from at least – uh, little league basketball and football on up, if not from the day that I was born. Um, <laughs> he is uh, a 94 graduate of Marshall, as he mentioned earlier. He was here during the uh, initial kind of rise up in the one double A at the time. Uh, you know, all the the home games for uh, uh, national championships, all that stuff. He was here for. Uh, became a uh, lawyer, went to uh, WVU uh, for law school, and is now a prominent uh, attorney down in Beckley. 
and Steve does a couple other things, uh, you know, and I'll let him talk briefly a little bit or whatever, but uh, Steve uh, helps promote local wrestling and you do a bang up job with that. Uh, got a show coming up in, in Beckley. Is it Bash at Beckley? Bash in Beckley. Bash in Beckley. Two. Because yeah. last year was last June. I had second row seats. I could not go. Uh, <laughs> but uh, Steve does a great job with that. And also, uh, very quickly, Steve has a uh, sports agency, New Legacy Sports. So Steve is very involved here at Marshall, very involved in West Virginia, well-known around. Uh, but Steve, welcome to the show. KD, you got anything? No, that going it. I had it. State champs '95. You don't want to say state champs '95. <laughs> that was my thing. I've been sitting on that for like a week. You knew. I, I thought was he was going to say consigliere to the cult of Jim Cornette, Russ. <laughs> I was. I was letting you. I was letting you say that. Uh, Steve is the lawyer for Jim Cornette. The great Jim Cornette. The great Jim Cornette. Yes. We need to have him on the show. We all strive to podcast like Jim Cornette. His show is Absolutely. amazing. Yes. We all. Yes, we all do. <laughs> <laughs> but no, we are. Uh, I said it before. I'm really excited to have you on the show because. I know that uh, you're, uh, 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 aside from this laundry list of things that Russ just ripped off, at the base of it all, it's I'm a Marshall super fan. I'm a son of Marshall, yeah. and, I'm, and I care about the herd. That, to me, is where it begins, and that's why I'm excited uh, more so than anything to have you here because I like being surrounded by people like that and, and want to talk about what they can do or, or good ideas and all that good stuff. So, like I said, before all that good jazz, we were on a great trajectory talking about the stadium. And you were talking about when you have, you know, 25,000 in a stadium of 40, 42,000, it doesn't look that great on TV. But, you know, that was the flavor of the month back then. It was how big can your stadium get? They wanted you to have 40, 45. And we built this stadium that could be expanded further if we needed to do that. And now with the on the uh, the the wave of streaming and the wave of all these other entertainment um, options out there fewer and fewer people are going to games and it's now become in vogue to shrink that stadium a little bit and make it look uh, a little fuller on TV, uh, provide a better overall experience for the user, right? The fan. And um, you know, we've tossed around ideas. We've heard some things in passing about what Marshall may or may not be considering doing. And one of those which I definitely want to get your take on is we've heard that they may be considering tearing out the bleachers in the end zone and potentially adding more suites. And, you know, a, we've heard for years that there's a waiting list for suites and B we always wonder if there's a damn waiting list, why aren't they being built? Because that means people are ready to pay for them. So what do you think about that kind of general thing? You rip out the majority basically everything from the concourse up is what I'm hearing and add a handful of suites um, and kind of push those fans back to the sidelines. So you look fuller on TV and you have a better um, experience overall for the fan. What do you think about that? I really like that idea. I, I mean, especially if there's some dedicated season ticket holder who really, for whatever reason, likes those end zone seats you know, and, and so you've got to massage that just a little bit. But I really like that idea. And I can tell you that uh, we were ready to get a suite for a number of years before one became available on the working press level. 
Uh, I would have gotten a suite three or four years earlier than I did uh, if it had been available. So I can definitely identify with that. I think there's probably also some opportunity, excuse me, to really make, um, you know, some luxury in those. And now, yep. uh, thankfully, the university's come through. The university has uh, upgraded our suites the last few years, uh, put in some better seating and some other things like that. But um, you know, there's a chance to really do some good there, generate some income, get some interest, get some more corporate sponsors involved with places, you know, that they can entertain during the, uh, during the football games. And uh, like you said, if you, if you take those people from out of that end zone, put them in the stadium, it gives the, uh, the appearance of uh, more fans uh, on the uh, east and west sides of the stadium. So uh, it, it'll be curious. I, I fully support that idea because I think there are some other corporate entities out here uh, in West Virginia that, that you could easily approach to shoot, get the ones off the waiting list first, yeah. or at least promise yeah. them, Hey, uh, you know, you're, we're selling the, we're, we're going to open this in 2024. And, you know, th these are going to be constructed between 23 and 24 and boom. Uh, you know, you'll be in there. Shall we, shall you write us a check right now? Uh, you know, for it's a three-year contract uh, and, and they're locked in 24, 25, 26 then. And I, I think that's a great way to go. We have uh, talked about that. And I don't want to cut you off for us, but we've talked about like those of you that already have suites and they say, well, would you, would you rather keep what you have or would you like to move over to the end zone? And, and Russ is, God love him. He's got great ideas when it comes to this whole thing. I mean, it's very well thought out. And um, when he articulates it, it just seems like, how has this not happened already? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But um, would you, I'm not trying to put your feet to the fire, but would you entertain moving to a, an end zone suite that may be newer and more modern and have a few more amenities or do you just kind of like where you're at? Or would you like them at least to give you the option to do that before taking on somebody from the waiting list? I'd, I'd like to be given the option. And a few years ago, the same thing uh, happened when Chad Pennington gave up his box. They created two 25-seat boxes out of what had been his mega suite uh, beside Chris Klein's. He and Chris had two 50-person suites. And so when they cut those in two, I was given the option. We moved up to that upper fifth uh, level up there. I didn't like the vantage point from being up that high. Mm -hmm. I mean, oh, I like the working press level the best. So it took, because I'm a football fan and I want to hear that. And, and I want to, it's the vantage point of the game. Uh, so depending on what the vantage point of the game would be, uh, you know, I'd be open to it, but I, I would at least like to be given the option. Yeah. So real quick, KD and I used to sit in 228 all the time. I had uh, previously down uh, uh, right near the bushes uh, in the end zone, but I moved up there. I liked and got so used to that uh, end zone, even though it was an angled view from 228. I liked it so much. It was a bit of a switch for me when I went to the chair backs for the game you know it, it's almost like if you're playing 
Madden or NCAA football and you're playing from one view and, you know, they change the game and say, well, it's going to be side scrolling now. You know, it's just a little bit different view. Mm -hmm. And it Mm -hmm. took a little adjustment for me, but I did not mind seeing the plays develop vertically, you know, especially on deep, deep passes and everything from the end zone. So I think the people that would be in that seat, uh, in those suites, that would be a great view to be able to see, you know, the crossing routes and everything, you know, the separation in the uh, defensive backs and that sort of thing. Yeah. I just think we're all in a collective agreement here that that's a revenue source that should just be exploited to the fullest. I mean, oh, if you yeah. if you have to give up 8,000 overall seats to add, what did we say? It was something like giving up 8,000 to add back like – 400 or something so i've got i've got the numbers here let me run through them we did this on a previous show but for uh you know steve you've thrown around to 42,000 ish uh that that's a little bit high uh on what we have now that's not max capacity because of standing room we have put up against that 42 number but uh when it opened 91 to 93 we had a capacity of 28,000 then 94 through 99 is when they uh, put an additional 2,000 uh, seats in. 2,000 before that season is when they put these bleachers that we're talking about removing out of there, and it was 38,019. So we're looking at 8,019 seats. The only modification since 2000 is when they added uh, 208 additional seats when they added the the skybox suites on the end if you remember uh you know they kind of leveled them straight up instead of you know being tiered and terraced uh they added a couple on there before the 2013 season Mm -hmm. so we're looking at 38 227 if you knock those uh bleachers out it looks like you're going to take right at eight thousand away and then whatever you put back you know i've done a little sketching and things like that i think you know you're easily looking at eight suites that you could put in there maybe more i also had the idea again hope someone's listening that can pull this off but non-indoor boxes to where you have the walk-in boxes with a roof over your head that are underneath the skybox suites of just groups of eight you know four and a second row of four to where you've got some covered seating, but they're in the end zone, slightly elevated above what would be this beer garden or whatever. So if you put in 16 of those plus the eight suites above, I mean, you know, you might be able to get a thousand, two thousand back in there, but you're really taking these unsold seats on the sidelines and putting the people from the general admission bleachers that would be taken out, putting them in those seats. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, so that's you're, the numbers. The, and then not only do you look fuller in TV, but you get back to that rowdy atmosphere where you're, yeah. you're, you're generating more sound, right? And your home field advantage starts to return a little bit more like you were used to seeing in the early to mid to late 90s. Where Each of us can remember vividly what the We Are Marshall, not only sure. was it louder, it was more frequent that it yeah. was done. But it was generally a left and right, one side and the other side. Now you've got more of a horseshoe around with people from the sidelines filtering over into the enclosed end zone. It's just not as loud as back and forth directly across from each other. Uh, The idea was you put more people in there and those were going to be full as well. But we just have not had that consistent capacity. A lot of it has been with the play on the field 
you know, we had a, a tough stretch from what uh, fans were conditioned to uh, during those uh, 90s. And uh, I think now we're back on that trajectory. This is a great time to do it. Bring in a good feature like the Skybox Suites, the rumored beer garden and concourse area there. Uh, upgraded facilities on that end, push everybody over there. Win, 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 win. Yeah. You know, those wins. four to eight covered seats where you still get the feel of the game, but you've got the elements off of you, those yeah. would be highly coveted, Russ. Oh, so. I'd buy them. Uh, my, my parking spot is it's, – it's hard for me. I'm on the east lot, so I have to walk – you know, and, and go through the crowd and everything over to my seats in the chair backs. If I had covered seats right there in the end zone, I'd buy up the entire eight box uh, of seats, uh, get some friends to go in with me. Those would be highly coveted. Yeah. 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 I hope folks yeah, are listening. Would. I think, I think there's a, there's a real opportunity here and it's not going to snap your fingers and happen, you know, in the next no. six months, but yeah, somebody get that done before I'll, I'll switch my seats before August. I thought the deadline was July first, right? It's like Sunbelt's July first. All of it's got to be done. Speaking of, speaking of the Sunbelt, we've talked about it a lot. Of course, everybody's excited about it. Um, I've, I was talking to Russ before you jumped on, and uh, I said that you know that you're probably excited about it for a few different reasons than we're excited about it. You know, we came in. Russ and I were freshmen at Marshall the very first year of the MAC in 1997. So we are only Division One A, never FCS, never playoff runs. I mean, Russ went as a, you know not as a student. He's familiar. He was a fan then, but we weren't students. Uh, so moving into the Sun Belt for you is probably a little bit of a reunion of sorts. Um, so you come from the Southern Conference era of fans, so you get to speak about that. We haven't had the Southern Conference era of fan yet that perspective yet so what about the movement to the to the Sun Belt uh excites you the most who are you really excited to see back on the schedule again and why well boys once again let me tell you how old I am <laughs> uh, in in 1988 the parody song don't worry beat happy was uh popular <laughs> yeah. on, on key yeah. radio in Huntington West Virginia so uh you know, for a lot of reasons, it's really funny how fortunes change. You know, uh, <laughs> one day you're on top, next day you're on the bottom and vice versa. You know, 2013, schools were leaving the Sun Belt. The Sun Belt had a perception of being the worst conference in all of college football. Oh, yeah. You know. Fast forward a few years, some programs make a decision. We're going to support our football programs. We're, we're going, you know, athletic programs, athletic departments decided, you know, we're going to make winners here at this school. And boom, you look around, all of a sudden, the Sun Belt and Conference USA have flip-flopped. Conference USA has got this reputation of being, you know, not the greatest. Uh, and the Sun Belt is all of a sudden the darlings of ESPN and college football fans everywhere. And they're doing, uh, you know, game day and a Saturday night feature game yeah. uh, from Coastal. And you got Sun Belt schools ranked. So um, 
guys, I've, I've seen it all. Um, first school, first college I ever visited, I went with my aunt uh, to take her to school in the fall of 79. And I saw we moved her into Twin Towers. I fell in love with Marshall University then. And uh, Stan Parrish, first winning coach, 1984. You know, and we thought they got rid of that ugly green and yellow. And Stan Parrish came in and he brought a real professionalism to it. And then George Chomp came and you had those beautiful helmets with the state logo on the side. And Marshall had a magical playoff run in 87. And we were in the Southern Conference and Marshall was playing teams like Appy and Furman and Western Carolina and East Tennessee. And then you get in the playoffs and you play places like Georgia Southern, uh, New Hampshire, Chattanooga. Uh, Chattanooga. Yeah, they were a Southern Conference member. So, but, but, uh, you start to play some really great schools. Boise was a one double A at that time. And, and so that one double A time period, 87, 88, 89, Donning comes in in 90. They don't make the playoffs that year. 91, Marshall, it was my first year at Marshall. They had a magical, magical run. I was at the first game. This is a little bit of trivia for your listeners. See if you guys like this. There has been one game and one game only that Marshall University has ever outdrawn West Virginia University. Guess which one it was? Uh, the first game? Opening night at the Jones, <laughs> September the 7th, 1991. WVU was playing Bowling Green. And they, they busted out. I don't know what Russ said the capacity was then. We had 34,000 and some, 33 and some change, I think. Whatever it was, it was more than WVU drew uh, for Bowling Green. But, man, that 91 season with Michael Payton and Troy Brown and some of those other guys was just absolutely uh, magic to watch. And I went to, to every game that season, every home game, and then all the playoff games. Um Marshall ended up that year in Statesboro, Georgia, in Georgia Southern Stadium for the national championship, and we squandered a daggone 19-6 lead against Youngstown in the fourth quarter, and they come back and beat us on CBS Nationwide Television. And, of course, the following year was the magical. I was standing on that muddy hillside where those bleachers were that we were just talking about when Willie Merrick <laughs> kicked that kick and and it came right through there and we tore the goalposts down and marched them through Huntington. It was another national championship game, which we lost in 93. Then we went out to Boise in 94. Uh, Huntington got outbid for the playoff game. Marshall had a better team than 94 than Boise did, but the Boise-Idaho outbid Huntington, West Virginia – for the rights to host that semifinal game. And so they went out there and played on that stupid blue turf and they lost. That was probably that was Todd Donnan's senior season, my year I graduated school. But uh, guys, I've seen it all. Nobody wants to sit here and just listen to me yammer about all of the great uh, memories I have with Marshall football. And doggone it, in the late 80s, I got to come down and watch uh, Ron Darby and Sean Doctor and uh, – Mike Barber. Mike Barber 
it was exciting because uh, the only person who had ever been a pro for Marshall uh, was Carl Lee. He played for the Minnesota Vikings. And then all of a sudden, Mike Barber is an undrafted free agent, goes and plays for the Cincinnati Bengals for a couple of years in the late 80s. How exciting was that? But, uh, you, you know, and then that gets you up to uh, the loss to Montana in 95 and 15-0 and 0 in what I contend is the greatest 1AA team that ever took a football field in 1996 with Randy Moss and Eric Kresser. Uh, and then that gets us up to where you guys start yeah. going yeah. to school there in 97. And, and you know how magical things have been. 05 to 10 was a little rough, uh, granted. Uh, but, you know, there were some extenuating circumstances. I don't lay all that on Mark Snyder's door. But, uh, you know, Mark Snyder's a Marshall guy as well. Um, we have something magical at Marshall. We just do, you know, and, and it's this long memory that everybody's got. And we've got that fountain ceremony, you know, and we've got those 75 angels who watch every game. Yeah. Uh, we've got a story at Marshall that, that most schools uh, don't have with a connection to the past and things like that. And that always needs to be remembered where we come from and we want to be performing at, at the highest levels with this Sunbelt Conference. West Virginians and Myrtle Beach, I've never heard of such. Yeah, thing. right. <laughs> there are direct flights from Huntington to Myrtle Beach for a reason. That's exactly right. I mean, they're going to be full. West Virginians love going to Myrtle Beach. We go, Russ and I, our dads weren't coal miners. Well, his dad wasn't a coal miner. And they went to they went to the beach during yeah. coal miners' vacation. You and, uh, used to run into people more at Myrtle Beach than you did uh, in Gilbert at home. It was, so look, exactly. it, you've, you were, were you, I think most fans will go back to this conference USA era, and you talked about how the Sun Belt was seen as inferior back in 2013 14 when all this transition was taken. Out. And most fans will go back and point to one singular decision by the conference USA leadership when they said, you know what, we're going to choose markets over teams. And the Sun Belt elevated teams, winning teams, yeah. Appalachian yeah. State, yeah. right, the, the Georgia Southerns, teams with a history and a tradition and a fan base that gave them real support and things they mm -hmm. get people that just went to games. Like nobody goes to Middle Tennessee games. No one. Yeah. And who cares if you can – you can't get the Nashville market if they don't matter in Nashville. Yeah. Right. Right, Look Vanderbilt at Houston doesn't with matter. Rice. Exactly, Nashville. Matt Vanderbilt yeah, does not matter, and they are there in the city. Bigger than UT. Right. My first cousin graduated from Middle last year. MTSU is now the largest public university in the state of Tennessee. Do you think it matters any? No. 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 Because Those they, people bleed orange. They have yeah. a bleacher they, out at every they game. They go to Neyland Stadium, 104,000 people, and they pack it out, and they don't go to MTSU. So if Conference they USA – They Vanderbilt games, yeah. and luckily Memphis is so far away from Knoxville, they might have a snowball's chance <laughs> if they put a good product on the field of, you know, drawing it a different – but it's a different – I mean, Western Tennessee is vastly different than East Tennessee, but that's exactly right. The other bad decision that Conference USA made was the underestimation of ESPN and mm -hmm. the power of that family of networks yeah. and the power of the mouse. And when they said, we're going to go with CBS 
as opposed to ESPN, you know, hey, that's a good gamble if you get in on the ground floor of something and it turns into something. Yeah. It's a bad gamble, you know, if CBS Sports Network doesn't turn into what you thought it may be, yet that's where your teams are competing. Pretty soon you find yourself on Facebook Live. That's right. Yeah, and I, I've got another one. Very bad decision. Judy. That's it. Yeah, That's well, the decision. It they, is, they got Judy. It, if in 2013 the Conference USA elevates Appalachian State, Georgia Southern, Georgia State, and these teams that the Sun Belt then brought in, in turn of us, you know, taking Middle Tennessee, Memphis, or not Memphis, Middle Tennessee and Western Kentucky and all these teams, if we would have taken what is now the Sun Belt, the Conference USA would be the place to be. But now the Sun Belt's the place to be. And hey, we're there. We're going to be there. So, um, Steve, have you been to uh, those stadiums? Did you go to away games, App State, uh, Georgia Southern, any of those that we're going to be going to? I, I saw the 91 National Championship game in Statesboro. Uh, I, I, I have never been to a Georgia Southern game. I have been to Boone uh, a number of times. I debated at Marshall while I was there, and the App State tournament was one of my favorites to go to. Uh, but I've never been to a football game. Those are picturesque places. I, I mean, I just – and I've driven by JMU a gazillion times, you know. Yeah. Uh, can't wait to go to Harrisonburg and, and watch a game. Oh, yeah. and I'm – they're, they're circled on my calendar uh, for the, the very first times. Uh, I mean, I'm hoping to hit JMU this year. But when we go down to App State, the first game, I'm hoping to be be there – um, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. And that's the other thing about this. We've talked about them taking media markets and the landscape changed to where you're not looking at media rights so much anymore because of streaming and everything. And travel is a nightmare. They have a great regional footprint in the Sun Belt, And they picked teams that have passionate, loyal fan bases with good traditions that are regional to each other. Yep. And this is the sort of thing. When when did we ever go, man, I cannot wait to go down there to Rice amongst 4,000 fans yeah. and, and watch a game. You never, know? never. No. Marshall University has no business playing sports in the state of Texas, ever. Yeah. It's never. It's not yeah. in your budget to do that. I mean, it is, but it isn't. Well, and along those lines, um, will Marshall occasionally have to play Texas State? Yeah. yeah, I'm sure. But I mean, look at it. Look at the same thing. Like we were in Conference USA for how many years and we played UTEP like three times, you know, and, and the very last time we played them was Mark Snyder's last game, you know, as a head coach. That was the last time we went to El Paso. Well, so in, in football. But yeah, in that's what I mean. In football. We, yeah. I in, mean, in, in football. basketball, we've had. To well, go there. but, but we've got the Eastern Division that's got all of it, it's got ODU, JM, perfect, App State, Coastal. Georgia Southern, Georgia State. Yeah, I mean that that's a that's a great division. That's the best right there, and it's not that far from home, and it's a whole lot better. You guys mentioned the MAC. Mm -hmm. All right, I, I I like the battle for the bell mm -hmm. with OU. I despise Miami of Ohio, uh, and always will. Uh, but really, outside of those two games, there weren't a whole. I mean, I I just assume go to. Houston, Texas, or El Paso, Texas, as I would Ypsilanti, Michigan. Right. Yeah. Right. 
I mean, it does. I, I went to Akron and Kent State and uh, all that. And, you know, this was like their newer stadiums, not the old rubber bowl and the other stuff. But uh, when I went up there and I know a lot of our fans went to the older places that were just horrible. But, you know, even that drive, I would much rather go five hours down. I mean, it was five hours up there, even just, you know, go five hours down or take a quick flight you can't take a quick flight to kent state but you can take a quick flight to myrtle beach mm-hmm. you yep. know you're game uh, it's uh and the drive to boone is nothing yeah it's it's win 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 for all of us not just us but these other teams in the Sun Belt bringing in marshall uh we have some listeners of this show that are from these other um uh, fan bases that have reached out to us and they are like, man, I, I just can't get enough. You know, I want I want this to start now. Yeah. Welcoming us in. And it's it's not all going to be friendly. You know, it's going to be the, you know, the rivalry kind of deals and the smack talk and, you know, all that's fine. But they are reaching out and saying, you know, we can't wait. Welcome. We love the content. We love, you know, the passion of your fan base, the the program that you're bringing in we are welcome in this conference. I think everyone from the commissioner on down to the individual fan bases of the schools have welcomed us to come in. Yeah. And Marshall and app goes back a long ways mm-hmm. and Marshall and Georgia Southern, you know, in, in the eighties, Georgia Southern had a really prominent one double A. I mean, they Georgia Southern was considered in the eighties kind of be the cream of the crop of one double A. Yeah. Cream of the crop. And here comes along Marshall, late 80s. All of a sudden, they're winning. They're winning, and they're winning, and they're winning in Youngstown. And uh, Georgia Southern's not quite what Georgia Southern used to be. And there was a little bit of resentment. There was a reason why that 91 national championship was played in Statesboro. That's because Statesboro, Georgia, was bidding on those playoff and national championship uh, host sites the way that 1AA did it right then. So, you know, there's – there's natural rivalries uh, built in this. I'm so glad that Southern Miss came with us, uh, you know, and when you get those Cajuns and the Southern Miss folks, uh, you know, at each other's throats, uh, that's going to be fun to watch over there in the West <laughs> as well, you know, and Texas State, um, uh, new kid on the block, uh, you know, relatively speaking, what they've been able to do, they and Georgia State in a, in a relatively short period of time, what they've been able to make their athletics programs into is nothing short of miraculous. But, gosh, guys, I'm excited about Marshall football in a way that I haven't been in a long, long, long time. You know, uh, early in the season, we get to go to Notre Dame. Got the Notre Dame tickets already, so we get to go. Uh, up there South Bend and, you know, see that and get to experience that. And we're going to get to watch Marshall play, you know, in a shadow of touchdown Jesus. So, I I mean, this season has a a lot of potential to be magical. Uh, I'm really hoping uh, that what Coach Hupp is able uh, and his staff are able to put on the field matches the excitement that I think we fans are feeling. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they've been telling us, you know, for a couple of years now, yeah, you know, you got to be there. We need you there. And now the fans are excited. Some dominoes have fallen and, 
you know, Conference USA is in the rearview mirror, the Sun Belts and coming out the windshield. And now it's kind of a little bit more on them to put a winner out there. You know, like if you mm-hmm. win, the people will show up. And this oh, is yeah. this is the uh, perfect opportunity. The stars are starting to align a little bit to make another magical era of herd football. You know, yes. we, we came in on the cusp and right in the middle of one, you know, the tail end of the winningest team of the 90s. And we have that potential now to be the new kids, quote unquote, in the block, uh, in the Sun Belt that can come right in and compete for a championship. Well, one thing that I have said a lot is it really bothers me as a guy with the kind of history that I have of knowledge, uh, knowing where Marshall's come from, what they've done. (laughs) Marshall University, as a 1AA, defeated the University of Louisville in 1987 regular season. Did you guys know that? (laughs) I did not. We've. We defeated Louisville in 87 when we were just at one double A. And then through the nineties, you know, we'd occasionally be the giant killer. I was at Clemson when we beat Clemson, you know, South Carolina, um, you know, those kinds of teams, we weren't afraid to go and play, played Ohio state to a last second field Mm -hmm. goal. I was Uh, there and that, that game kills me to this day. It, It does me too, Russ. And we played Georgia to 10 to three mm-hmm. uh, between the, the, the hedges down there. Tennessee. Uh, we gave yep. Tennessee uh, uh, until the quarterback did the Lambo leap and tweak his knee. I thought we were yeah. going to win that one at yeah. Tennessee in 03. Yep. Uh, and we had West Virginia on the ropes and should have defeated them in 2010. Uh, so it has killed me the last few years to watch the Boise States and the UCFs and the Louisvilles and the Cincinnati's teams that we used to regularly beat like drums, get their elevation, Yep. Mm-hmm. you know, but there's more money in Louisville, Kentucky, and there's more money in Cincinnati, Ohio. There's certainly a whole lot more money in Orlando, Florida. Uh, and there's more money in Boise, Idaho. They have corporate sponsors like yeah. Orida and, you know, KFC Yum and Papa John's. And in Boise, they're the only team there. It's the only game in town. Yeah. Yes, they they are the only game in town. So it it is really stuck in my crawl to see teams like that get their stuff elevated, Mm -hmm. you know, knowing that, you know, there for a while we beat Louisville ever. Daggone time we were on the field with Louisville. You know, right up until two and oh, it it wasn't that long ago, yeah, yeah. You know, and and to see them get elevated, go into other big conferences and make all that money and to share in all of that TV money just makes me sick. And where I want to see Marshall get back to, I want to see Marshall play on on New Year's Eve or New Year's Day as the G5 rep. Yeah, Yeah. I think we all do. I think we really all do. And you know, being in the Sun Belt is going to bring that uh, extra little rise in conference prestige that will help you edge out that extra vote to make that slot. If all things come yeah. down to two or three teams, you know, yeah. the Sun Belt's on and, a and very good knows, trajectory. And who knows about that. a football playoff, you know? Yeah. <laughs> if things are done fairly and nothing's ever hardly done fairly in college football, my solution came up with a long time ago. Uh, we grow them smart, Gilbert. Don't ever let anybody tell you any different. <laughs> but a long time ago, I came up 
with an with Division One A being ninety six teams, which was eight conferences of twelve schools. One A is bigger now. But regardless of the number of the teams in one A, you ought to be able to do. I think uh, sixteen team playoff. And if you have some at-larges, that gives some of those whining power five schools a chance to say, well, our conference runner-up is better than some of those smaller conference conference champions. But I, I have long believed that the national football champion needs settled on the football field and not as a result of some writers voting the way it was when I was a kid or some computer system like the BCS or yep. anything like that. That's bull crap. No, give the conference champions and some at-larges a chance to compete in the bowl games, expand it, you know, from four to either eight if you've got conference champs or, you know, on out. You could, you could, it's easily, easily done. It is done. That's what they wanted to do. And, you know, those, those New Year's bowl games, with, you know, Boise and UCF and some others winning those are proof positive that, you know, any team can win any game, uh, you know, with the right preparation and things just kind of falling your way. So yeah. uh, I'd love to see Marshall play on, on a New Year's Day bowl or if the playoffs get done the right way, man, be in a playoff game and play an Alabama or an Oklahoma or a Texas. I, I mean, you know, a, a USC you don't ever know what's going to happen at that point. It's true. That's right. I think the uh, the simplest solution I've said over and over. You know, we have ten conferences and a handful of independents, is to go to sixteen and you let the you know they they the NCAA ha- has paved the way to eliminate divisions. That that's brand new. That you know these conferences now, by and large, if they choose to eliminate divisions, can figure out how they're going to figure out their championship game however they want. Whatever. However they figure that out, let them figure it out. But to me, it's 16 teams. you got 10 conferences. You give the five power five teams two teams each. You give the G5 five conferences their conference champion, and the last team goes to the highest-ranked independent. That's 16 freaking teams. Clean, simple, 16-team playoff, and everybody's represented. I don't see how it gets any easier than that. Everybody got a seat at the table. That's, and, the, and the Power Five has two seats per conference. So I would rather them have 10 out of 16 than three out of four or four out of four. So at least yeah. in this scenario, we're getting five out of 16 seats. At least an opportunity to make – you can't tell me this past March you didn't sit down and cheer the heck out of St. Peter's run to the Elite Eight or whatever. That's what people in basketball love to And, and the same, same exact thing would happen in college Just football. A, you, if you got – if you got – a. a a football team like Marshall or Coastal or uh, or an Ohio U. You know, Ohio U's had runs in the NCAA tournament before, like a George Mason or a whomever, or you get somebody, you know, you get a Western Kentucky from a Conference USA or, a, you know, or a one, one of those from the American. You get a – God, wouldn't you love to see East Carolina make a run at something? Uh, a Memphis make a run at something, although I think they're going up or whatever. But you know, it's just you're exactly right. I think America would be would fall in love with the sport of college football, and it's not just all of a sudden Alabama and Georgia for yeah. the third time in the year. Yeah, it's not that's not appealing to me. I, I get how they must love that in Athens, Georgia, and Tuscaloosa, Alabama. You probably great, we love it, but who cares? I don't care. I want to see right. some new 
blood. I was enthralled to see Cincinnati get a nod. And I don't care what anybody says, they deserve to be there. And even though they they still deserve to be there because there have been bigger blowouts at the hands of power five on power five schools. So don't Mm -hmm. tell me that teams like Cincinnati don't belong just because what does, what the, how come a power five team can be good for one year and make the playoff, but somebody like Cincinnati has to be good for like 10 straight years yeah. to finally be able to be like, well, they're good enough. You know, they, they, right. they won, they went undefeated for 10 straight years. Now we got yeah, I, Iowa state can go 12 and Oh, that's in right. One year. That's right. Iowa state can go 12 and Oh in one year because they're from the big 12. That's right. Yep. You know, they're, they're going to be ranked number two in the college football playoff. That's right. That's how that works. Yeah. yeah. And it's, and it's completely bogus and we all know it's bogus. Look, we could rant on about this. And the goings-on and the corruptness and the greed and the hoarding of money for, well, I could do it for eternity because I've been doing it for a long time. But let's talk about something else that's They kind need of- a good an- – the NCAA needs a good antitrust lawsuit. Hey, <laughs> I don't know anything about that, but speaking of legal issues, sort of, kind of, sort of, uh, another new flavor is uh, the NIL. And uh, as a professional in such spaces, you know, far more educated on such things than I am, um, educate me a little bit about NIL and what do you think's good about it? And what do you think is not so good about it or being abused about it? Um, help, help me understand. Well, with, with name image likeness, it, it is gives college athletes an opportunity while they're in school to, uh, monetize, maximize the potential of their names, images, likenesses, doing commercials, got to be paid for video game appearances, just on, you know, on and on and on and things like that. And there are going to be a number of college athletes who never go to that next level. Mm-hmm. But, you know, they might be a really great – think of a few guys who are great college athletes, you know, maybe not so great in the NFL, but, uh, you know – Give those guys an opportunity uh, because the universities are making bunches and bunches and bunches of money off of them, not just universities, but, you know, television networks and and video game companies, you name it. They're making lots of money off of these kids and their names and their images and their likenesses. So give those young men an opportunity to to share uh, in some of all of that money that's being generated. Uh, gives them an opportunity to not have to live like poor college students while they're getting up at 5 a.m. and going to practice and then going to school and then study hall and then they're back at practice in the evening. Uh, That's like a full-time job. It is a full-time job. So, you know, that's one of the advantages that I see is that, you know, it's possible to compensate. It, It brings that sort of out of the shadows a little bit where, uh, you know, you don't have to worry quite as much about that being in the shadows. There's potential for abuse, sure. Uh, the Nick Saban, the Jimbo Fisher stuff uh, that started last week, talking about, well, you get the number one recruiting class because you offer more NIL money. You know, that's the one potential drawback. But I can also see where the NCAA, if it's doing its job, can also put some regulations on that in terms of how much is earned, how much could be earned by a college athlete. So it's not just let us buy your parents a house and give you a Mercedes and 
you know, put you on a $3,000 a month stipend or something like that for your name, image, and likeness. And, and then it also has to be followed up with, is it truly being exploited? I mean, in other words, like if, if I sign an NIL contract uh, with someone, am I truly doing that? Now, here in West Virginia, oh, you, you said you're in Florida? Yeah. Uh, you know Morgan and Morgan well. Yeah, right? I hear the radio commercials on the radio about a thousand times a day. Last year, Morgan Morgan purchased billboards in West Virginia and put WVU football players and basketball players on their billboards. That's an instance where you can see the name, image, likeness, money being used for what it's supposed to be used for. And it wasn't a ton of money. Uh, but it, it was good compensation for those young men uh, to have their pictures on lawyer billboards in the state of West Virginia. That type of stuff is the type of stuff that I think works. And it just doesn't turn into some type of a, a feeding frenzy at these places that just have, uh, you know, T. Boone Pickens at Oklahoma State, yeah. you know, could write each of those young men a $100,000 check as soon as they start school in Oklahoma State and not bat an eye. Um, you know, as long as it's not stuff like that or doesn't turn into that, uh, I, I think there's some potential for some good to be done there. Yeah, I think a lot of people are just seemingly confused or correlate NIL and they lump it right in with pay for play because that's what they see. Oh, this kid's not even signed there, but he's got a contract waiting, you know? So they're saying, well, I mean, pay me and I'll come there and play. Who's got the, like, I'm I'm going to the highest bidder type thing, and that's not, I mean that's still illegal under NCAA yeah. regulations. But who's know? enforcing I mean, it? That's the thing, right? Who, who's enforcing? Well, the com the compliance office has to. Uh, you know, it's going to be real interesting uh, three four years from now when all of these compliance offices have had to comply with the NCAA regulations, which say pay for play is illegal, versus the Supreme Court decision that says college athletes are able to monetize their names, images, and likenesses. It's going to be real interesting yeah. to see who's managed that well. Has the NCAA enforced its rules uh, and that type of thing? Yeah. I mean, it's yeah. just, it's just a flat feeding frenzy right now. And it just seems like everything's happening so fast that nobody can keep up. So it will be interesting to see once the dust settles a little bit and everybody takes a breath, like, oh, okay, what happened and how do we, what do we need to do? And I should say, we are, well, at least me, I know Russ probably isn't either. We are 100% in favor of athletes being able to monetize and make money off of, you know, the work that they put in and the, and, and the revenue that they're driving to the universities and all that good stuff. If they, if, if they can earn, they should earn. You know, that's, that's yeah. the only really fair thing to do. Yes, sir. Let's, uh, let's give a, a very recent example. I remember this article coming out. Will Ulmer uh, would play musically mm -hmm. and could not use his own name because it would have violated until the NIL ruling came down. He had to have a stage name and all he wanted to do was play music. It yeah. was, he wasn't getting rich off that. It was something he wanted to do. And the NCAA would, you know, crack down and make an example of him and an example of Marshall, because we all know that's the way it worked, you know, Ohio state and Alabama and all the big, it was rare to hear things like that come out for them, but let a mid-level or lower 
uh, have a school uh, that does that, they're going to be made an example of. So yeah. Will got to use his own name to play for, I don't know, I'll throw 50 bucks or whatever. Yeah, whatever, the, whatever it was. Yeah, at a, mm-hmm. at a local gig, and he couldn't do that. So uh, until the till the ruling came out. So I can appreciate all that. I think that it was bogus that they couldn't do that before. I think it was bogus that our good friend Seth Cook had to uh, wait to be re uh, reimbursed, re or compensated by ESPN and uh, EA Sports and all that. You know, for him playing football and. Uh, you know, in a video game, all of, all of that stuff was bogus before, you know, the, the O'Bannon famous legal thing, but we do have to have it corralled at some point, you know, uh, I'm in very much favor that these athletes get paid, but when they were talking about, I think Bryce Young at Alabama, after it came out, it was like two months after the ruling and they said he had already signed like a $1.3 million deal or something like that. It's just crazy money. Yeah. Where does that end if they don't have a cap, like we have already talked about and discussed here, you know, they're going to have to put a limit on it at some point. Um, you know, I, I don't know that that's right. I just think that it would be good for college football. I'm saying, I don't know that it's right for those individuals. If you can make $1.3 million, make 1.3 i have no problem with that but for the good of college football i think they're going to have to corral it in just a little bit yeah not only corral it with like caps on what student athletes can earn things like that but also i'm talking about relating it and equating it to whatever exploitation of the name image and likeness there is you you understand what i'm saying Mm -hmm. i mean if it's a shoe deal with nike and let's say that there's a college sophomore who, because of how good an athlete he is at Duke or North Carolina or UCLA or whatever, and he could exploit a million-dollar-a-year deal with Nike by you know, using his name, image, likeness through work with the university, uh, could he do that? If, if the student athlete, the university, and Nike – could sit down and show the NCAA, all right, if we put this name and this image and this likeness together in a campaign for the sale of shoes, and it's going to generate, I'm picking up $25 million. We think it's only fair that student athlete get a million. That's the type of a situation where I don't have a problem with that. Now, if you're talking about this is running back out of Odessa, Texas, and he's got all the upside in the world, and you think that he's going to be the next Herschel Walker. But there's no correlation to anything yet. You know, he's a rising freshman in college, never stepped a foot on a football field collegiately yet. That's where I think there's the problems, Russ, because his – proven a million dollars worth of value whereas in the in the example that i give you the college sophomore at duke or ucla already he's a freshman of the year you know and nike wants to sign him and he's getting one twenty fifth of what nike believes it can generate with the sale of those sneakers i i see those as being two totally different situations yeah that is an interesting point 
but uh, it's it's just such a murky place that we're at right now. It's also brand new and 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 sort of looks like people are seeing what they will be able to do and not have uh, repercussions over at this point. It doesn't mean there won't. It's be really anything. interesting because I'm a lawyer, and and as Russ said, I knew Legacy Sports. Uh, we have a Cleveland Brown from uh, Iowa State right now. Uh, my partner Dusty Gwynn and I represent. Um, uh, uh, Olympic athletes, professional wrestlers. Dusty's also uh, WNBA uh, registered uh, agent as well. And we're just having a lot of fun. It's such a, I, I love what I do. I love being in the courtroom. Uh, nothing gives me any more um, satisfaction, thrill. Uh, than being uh, involved in, in very high stakes litigation, but doing that professional agent stuff on the side kind of is a nice aside to what it is uh, that I. Deal with the metal. Uh, try react. It's just it's fun. Players have been into the league. I'm really hopeful with XFL, USFL, things like that. That not only can my agency help martial players, basketball players, uh, football players, uh, soccer players, even maybe uh, take that next step to a professional league, but also you know, in the NIL arena. So NIL interests me both as a lawyer and then also, uh, you know, as a co-owner of a sports agency as well. I bet it does. Yeah. And and it's not bad to have a crop of athletes, you know, that, that you support anyway, that you just want to watch, have, have successful careers. And Hey, if I can help you out along the way, give me a call, give me a call. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> so look, Russ, I think we need to take it around the herd here and um, move into some, uh, parting words as we wrap up our hey, before we do that let okay. me tell you i'm gonna prop you on your shirt oh yeah. listeners aren't going to be able to see <laughs> that but i knew it as soon as i saw it and uh russ you and i are old friends we grew up in the same hometown few years apart you played little league sports with my brother and, and your brother grew up with my brother and so on. Your grandpa sold my grandpa cars in Gilbert. That's how, that's how long the living good and the new families go back and back. Look at that Charleston Wheelers. <laughs> you like that? <laughs> sure. Yeah. And we didn't plan this. Yeah. There was no pre-production. I want you guys oh, to Oh, he's got a this. blizzard shirt on. Look at that. The Huntington <laughs> Blizzard. Man, he's repping the blizz. Guys, this is like vintage West Virginia sports here, and we're not even running video today. Steve awesome. New repping the Huntington Blizzard. I got a Charleston Wheeler shirt on. This is like vintage awesomeness. And it's is a, there oh, anybody man. else who misses? Is there anybody else who misses professional hockey in Southern West Virginia? I think the way so. That I do. We <laughs> posed that question on our last episode. We talked about if Marshall was, you know, we could wave a magic wand and add sports. And then we posed that question to our Twitter followers, and a a lot of them said we'd like to have ice hockey back because the Blizz was so fun. 
And it yeah. was fun. It was fun. When I finish this opioid litigation, I'll make that one of my next things to do. All <laughs> yes. right? Bringing hockey I'll, back I'll to buy, Huntington. I'll buy the rights to uh, the name Huntington Blizzard and try to bring a hockey team back. I think, it, I think it would be one of those niche things that people would dig again because they went before. The Blizzard, yes. it wasn't unpopular. It was still well attended. I think it could be yeah. cool again. But I appreciate I appreciate you noticing the Charleston. That's my era too, man. That that's my era. Yeah. Me and yeah. me and Wapow Park were pretty close friends back in the early nineties. Uh, right, I'm gonna take us around the herd, KD. Like yeah, said. please. Where do you want to start? Um, baseball. Uh, unfortunately, the season ended. They went over four this week. That was their last nine games. Only one win in their final fourteen. Luke Edwards on base streak ended at 61 games on Friday, man. Uh, just a, just a tough week, yeah. you know, and we've said it a hundred times. We talked about it earlier with soccer, build the facility. Then the program gets built up. Uh, I'm not suggesting these guys, they've had some great success over the years. Got some people playing in the pros still today in the majors, uh, people in the minor leagues, but, Ended up with a final record of 20, 34, and 1. Again, over their final 14 games, they were 1 and 13. So yeah. right up until that stretch, they, they were, were right there, man. Right there. Uh, kind of looking over the stats and everything, they hit well top to bottom. Yeah. There were just so many games where they lost it late. They would get yeah. deep into the bullpen and they just couldn't, there just wasn't enough firepower to close out a game. Well, the, most of their uh, starters, uh, they had one starter, Pacella, that uh, only pitched three games this year, and he had a 360 ERA. No other starter had a better ERA than like 5.3, yeah. 5.4, something like that. The bullpen was the same in the fives, the sevens, and higher. Uh, they've got some work to do in the off season. Uh, recruiting that sort of thing, get some pitching in, but pretty disappointing end of the season. It really is. But look, Wags has been doing magic work for a number of yeah. years now, and and he has the ability now. You know, we can we can begin to talk about, you know, maybe by the time we you guys come on campus, before you leave, we should have a stadium here. So you know, yeah. you you're, you're selling that promise, and you're also selling the promise of. You know, we're going to just as good of a baseball league as Conference USA was, if not better, because we're bringing Old Dominion along with us. We're yeah. bringing James Madison and Southern Miss with us. So you're bringing a lot of the meat and potatoes of successful baseball programs from Conference USA with you to the Sun Belt. So and don't then, just get then, down because it was a the wheels kind of fell off thing. It just sucks. We know that happens, but you know, Wags has been doing it for so long, man, and and making lemonade out of lemons. And uh, he's really close to getting his own lemonade stand. Finally, you know, yeah, it's like yeah. a place to sell the stuff. So and I was going to say that after one more additional season in Conference USA, a lot of those other teams that were doing well, they're going to be gone too. They're going, uh, you know, elsewhere. Yeah, so Big Twelve, place, or, or I'm, no, I'm yeah. sorry, not Big Twelve, the uh, American as the yeah, Big the Twelve American. expands. Um. Let's go over to football. Uh, we had a transfer from Florida Atlantic, Ramad Smith, tight end. Um, 
you got his stats. Yeah, there. big dude, man. I went to the, you know, I went to 24-7 sports because I like their recruiting profiles. I told you that before in an earlier episode, but it was like his out of high school profile. So I went back and looked at the 2021 FAU roster, and man, did he grow. Because yeah. on the uh on the 24-7 sports profile, it was listed at like six four and a half and two ten, two oh one, something uh-huh. like that. Uh last year on the FAU roster, six five, two forty-three. Yeah. what so this is what we're talking about getting in a program getting your food yeah. getting your your lifting in and all that and the, he's a transfer body that is already ready to play yeah listed on the 2021 roster at fau as a redshirt freshman so you got to think he's going to be a redshirt sophomore in 2022 with a uh, according to 247 sports immediate eligibility we'll see how many years that equates to should be uh, well more than one but you never really know how that stuff plays out but um huffing the herd man never stop recruiting you got to keep recruiting i mean this is the way of the world now you know with uh transfers being the way they are and and all that good stuff you know they hit it well, they russ, hard. russ said it transfer portal give it transfer portal right. take the way so the way of the world i mean if marshall's positioned well we could be the beneficiary of that transfer portal and it looks like we have been this offseason. I don't know I that agree. other coaches and other years will be able to keep this up. But right now, Huff is doing everything, filling holes, bringing in diamonds in the rough, the way it looks like to me. He's bringing in size. He's bringing in untapped potential. I just think that he's done a bang-up job. Right now, unless somebody refreshes my memory different, we have lost a grand total of one kind of contributor via the portal in Grant Wells. Now, granted, that was your starting quarterback, but we have brought in a dozen that are ready to play. And a lot along that defensive line and then the defensive backfield and all these key positions, offensive line, where we were looking a little low, we've brought in not from just recruiting, uh, but people that, like I said, have already got that college body ready to go. Yeah, there is one more particularly other than Grant Wells that exited the roster via the portal, and it does come along the defensive line. We lost Jamari Edwards, and he went to James Madison. So okay. it's a guy that we may have to face this coming season. We'll see how that works out. But uh, he was a bit of a playmaker. He was starting to emerge yeah. in, a, in a pretty big way. Um, but – Hey, they, they filled the gaps. They filled the needs. The, the defensive line is not a concern for me as much as it was, you know, leading into the offseason, quote unquote. So I feel good about what they've done overall. I mean, how could you not? Five star players, yeah. four star players, multiple oh, yeah. transfers. I mean, guys have been through the strength, strength programs, guys that are ready to play. They know what's going on. They've adjusted to college. The herd is making noise in the transfer portal in a positive way. Yeah, it sucks to see Grant mm-hmm. Wells go, but if that's if he feels like I said, if if he's got to do what he thinks is best for him, and if going to Virginia Tech is the best move for him, I hope he's an All ACC QB. I really do. Yeah, but um, we we're recording on Sunday. Uh, Coach Huff made uh, a tweet. Uh, we don't have the name yet that is public, but there was a new. Uh, signing or commitment i guess would be a better word uh today and uh it it looks to be a transfer we just do not have that name confirmation right now so i've like i said um i've got a little i've got a sneaking feeling of who i think it might be but the prospect hasn't announced uh none of the sites that you know your usual go-tos are announcing 
but uh, I've got an idea of who I think it might be. And I, th- I think uh, herd fans will kind of go, okay, a little bit of help there. If it's who I think it is, I know this is be- being very like, oh, I hate when people would do that. Like, I can't tell you who it is because I don't want to speculate and be wrong, you know, but I, right. if it's who I think it is, then it's an asset to the herd, like an immediate asset to the herd. Let me put it that way. So, um, but yeah, the only other football news we got to talk about is a guy that I've been high on from the get go since we launched the show and we were doing spring ball previews and talking about practices and stuff. And that's defensive back Jacoby Henderson, who I told you has been continually playing with the ones and guarding the herd's best wide receivers and going toe to toe with those guys recently named this week, one of uh, 24 seven sports, top 100 true freshmen that matter. I don't, necessarily dig the title because you know every player matters but (laughs) i guess that means he could be an instant impact type guy as a true freshman so uh not exactly breaking news if you listen to the thundercast because you know jacoby is a player that can play but uh always cool to land guys on lists like that so that's about it for football this uh this week what's next women's basketball they picked up a transfer from shepherd abby beeman she's from ridgely west virginia and she's going to join uh, earlier in the uh, offseason transfers uh, from Southeast Missouri State, Rashala Scott, and transfer from Radford, Ashley Tudor. So potentially you're looking at replacing three starters uh, with the addition of Abby. Um, all three kind of perimeter players, I won't list them all as guards. Uh, they seem to at least be out on the perimeter, driving, that sort of thing. So what a way to change a uh, starting five is to bring in three new. What you got to do, right? We talked about Tony yep. Kemper having to replace Savannah Wheeler, Conference USA's leading scorer, and what were they going to do to do that? And what does he do? Oh, let me just go grab a D- D2 All-American from Shepard. And, oh, yeah, she's an in-state girl, Steeman Abby Beeman. I don't know if that's her nickname, but it just sounds cool. I mean, I always think of Willie Beeman from any given Sunday. But anyway, uh, she's like you said, she's from Ridgely, West Virginia. She's listed on their website, Shepherd's website, as a point guard. So you got to think she's going to be running the point. Um, she definitely is a point guard. Yeah, yeah. five foot four, uh, averaged 19 points a game and just a tick over eight assists per game last year for Shepherd. So she's a baller, man. You need somebody that can score. You need somebody that can distribute and run the point. Looks like Tony Kemper and crew got all those in one gal in Abby Beam. And so welcome to the herd, Ab. Yeah. Uh, Softball, they had uh, four named to the National Fast Pitch Coaches Association All Mideast Region First Team. Uh, First time, I believe, that that's happened. We've had a couple of different years where we had three. had four this year. Sydney Nestor. Allie Harrell, Sage Pye, and Maya Stevenson. So uh, big ups to all four of those. It looks like unless I'm missing something and Allie and uh, Sage have more uh, uh, eligibility with us, I don't believe they do. Sid Nestor is going to be the only one returning out of those four. Yeah, a couple of notes on that, though. Conference USA sent 15 total players to their respective region, all region teams, right? Marshall just happens to be in the Midwest. Uh, Marshall's four of those 15, the most of any Conference USA school. And boy, those four gals, holy moly. That's the bomb squad and the strikeout machine, Sid the Kid, 
Jiminy Christmas. Um, I don't know how they're going to replace all of this firepower if indeed all three of those girls are gone. Some heavy hitters are going to be returning to the herd next year. And when the next note we're going to talk about should help with that as well. But it's going to be great having Sid the Kid back mowing gals down for the herd one more year. Um, but what is along those lines of filling the gaps of the bombs that are departing, who we got coming to Huntington? So you asked, how do you replace them? What have we had as a theme? Transfer portal. The portal. We've, got, <laughs> we've got Emily Allen, a catcher coming from NC State. So uh, very big get there, uh, in my opinion, um, just to bring in a little stability after the news of Maya Stevenson being gone. We immediately, within a couple of days, have a, uh, a big time transfer coming in. Yeah, she's, she was listed as a sophomore, so you got to think that's a multi-year player for the herd. Or, I'm sorry, she was listed as a freshman on the NC State. Should be a sophomore in 2022, unless she redshirts or something like that. I don't know. But, again, it's not a one-and-done type player. It's a multi-year player listed, as you said, a catcher, but also slash infielder. Um, mm-hmm. She's a hometown girl, too. Parkersburg, man. You got to love them going out and getting those in-state girls coming to play for the herd. Three-time West Virginia first-team All-State player. I mean – Hey, if you can go play ball in the ACC, you can probably play for the herd in the Sun Belt, even though yeah. the Sun Belt is going to be some tough sledding softball. Yeah, and welcome home. Welcome Emily home, Allen. Emily Allen. That's right. And to finish this up, going around the herd, women's track and field, Sydney Smith was named the Conference USA All-Academic Team. And then we had five named to the Conference USA All-Conference. That was Marianne Adebayo, uh, Micah Elaine, Julian King, Erica Murphy, and Ashanti Warner. So I mean, much props to them. A lot of that uh, in the article on Herd Zone reference that uh, they're showing in the uh, in the conference championships put them in these positions. You know, you had a couple of uh, bronze and silver finishes uh, to to elevate them into making this all conference team. And two of those, Elaine and Warner, are going on to compete this week in the NCAA East Regional. Uh, Both of them are in the 400-meter hurdles. And if they finish in the top 12, they will then go on to qualify for the championships, which are in June. So therein lies your potential answer to a trivia question, uh, which will be, who will be the last martial athlete of the Conference USA era? It would either be <laughs> Micah Elaine and Ashanti Warner or one of the two should one of them yeah. qualify for the final. So pretty cool. We're down to two athletes left, period, in the Conference USA era before we can close the freaking book on Judy and crew. Yeah. Um, Russ, uh, not Judy. bad. We're, we're winding down around the herd. is probably going to be pretty minuscule for the next number of weeks until school fires back up and we start getting some uh, big-time news going and seasons start firing up and all that kind of stuff. So – um, unless it's recruiting news, we'll, we'll still keep you abreast, but don't expect uh, too much from around the herd moving forward since all the seasons are closing down. So look, it's been a long episode, but it's been a great episode. I'm really glad that Steve new joined us and we do this little yes. thing. Uh, we can't let you out of here without having a little fun. All right. We're going to touch on pro wrestling right. because we got to touch on pro wrestling. I mean, what the hell <laughs> can't have you on here without talking some wrestling. My brother-in-law, huge wrestling fan. Um, he, he is a co-host on a podcast, a wrestling podcast, a very popular wrestling podcast. And I asked him, uh, many, many moons ago when, uh, first, um, 
touched base with you when you joined one of our spaces when we were talking about the conference realignment. Mm-hmm. I said, do you know who Steve New is? And he immediately went, that's Jim Cornette's lawyer. So he knew you, <laughs> knew you in that capacity. Uh, but yeah, so shout out to Aaron. We're, we're talking about, we're going to talk a little wrestling here. Um, being that it's a fairly big part of your life and it's a fairly big part of Russ's life, I wanted to play a little game where I'm going to rip off a handful of coaches here, and I want you to tell me who they most remind you of in the world of wrestling, historical, current, whatever, the personality type. Uh, let's just have a little fun with it. And we can't start – I mean, we have to start with Coach Huff because he tweets out a lot of old-school wrestling. Uh, yes, he does. Uh, yes, so, he does. Uh, who does he most remind you of in the world of professional wrestling of now or yesteryear? He reminds me of – a young pre-WWF junkyard dog. <laughs> JYD always the working. Thump. That's right, the thump. Yes, I, I'd love to see Charles Huff come out on the field with thump written right across his <laughs> rear end. That's awesome. Yes. All right, so keeping along in that same thing, different personality type, totally different type dude. We got to go to Dan D'Antoni, head coach Dan D'Antoni for the Herdman's basketball team. A lot quieter, a lot more chill, a little bit cooler of a cat. So who is that to you? Wow. Yeah. I would say Tolly Blanchard of the Four Horsemen. I, that, that's who I would say Danny Dan. So are we talking about like classic NWA, Tolly Blanchard? Classic <laughs> NWA, Magnum, TA, I Quit Match, Baby Doll. There you go. Uh, Ma- yeah, yeah, Tolly Blanchard of the Four Horsemen. <laughs> Russ, uh, give me somebody, give me another coach here that uh, Steve can help us out with. Well, uh, how or, about or not, someone. How about not a current coach? Okay. But uh, the previous head football coach, because I've got someone in mind. As soon as KD uh, mentioned this, I want to see your reaction to who uh, Doc Holliday reminds you of from the wrestling mm. world. I believe you stumped him. I think that's that should that was hard to do. I didn't think you would stump him. Well, I, I can tell you the difficulty for coaches is their age, and uh, and who I think of as being that age. Um, hmm. Let me tell you. <laughs> let me tell you who I think. And maybe okay. just the eyes and the stare, every, every photo, uh, there was no smile or anything. I just always thought of Waylon Mercy, the, yeah. the Dan Spivey gimmick, uh, in the, in the mid nineties, uh, Waylon Mercy kind of, uh, after the movie Cape Fear, you know, was how the mm-hmm. gimmick was. And I don't know. I just Doc had that kind of look at all times in all photos and everything, where it was there was no smile or anything. I'm not knocking him or anything. I have people in my family that don't smile for photos. That just it seemed like you know, hey, I'm here for business. This is football, you know, that sort of thing. But other than the hair, I would say like a Jake the Snake Roberts too. There you you know, there's always a lot going on up there yeah. in the mind. No smile. Yep. You know, all business. Uh, I'd, That's I'd right. say Jake the Snake Roberts. Man. You know, we need to now get us. I'm sorry. Go ahead, go ahead. I was going to say we need to get us someone 
that that throws out a little swag. That's I mean, it's going to be hard to find a Ric Flair or uh, or yeah. somebody a little flashy around the herd nation here around the, around the coaching the athletic department. But man, we need somebody to work the mic like Ric Flair. That's good. Maybe and, Chuck and Chill you know, can turn into Ric Flair for us. <laughs> you, you were talking about Huff, and who came to mind for me was a more um, mid to late 90s, like the 96-ish, 97, uh, Shawn Michaels. You know, that, uh, yeah. that uh, swagger that he seems to have, the confidence that yeah. he has. It's not arrogance. It's, hey, I believe in myself, you know, and uh, I, I just view all the charisma that he has and everything. And I, I, you know, I look at Huff and I know he's a fan and maybe he's listening. Hope he is. Uh, I hope and, he is I, and I'm like, uh, I'm like, man, that's, that's uh, the heartbreak kid there. You know, he's got, yeah. he's got all the swagger in the world. <laughs> that was good. I wanted to, yeah. I could not let you out of here without doing that. that <laughs> I've, I've been thinking about that for a long time. Look, we got some parting words. Steve, uh, this would be your opportunity to say whatever you would like to whoever's listening, really. Um, but we, before you do, I want to say thanks for being on the show. It was sincerely my pleasure to have you here. It was great to finally meet you face-to-face, even through camera. You know, that's the way of the world. But yeah, um, I want to do this again sometime. And when I make it to Huntington, I sure do want to get put in front of you so I can shake your hand. This has been a pleasure. But for now, the mic is all yours. All right. Well, listen, I appreciate you guys having me on the Thundercast. And, you know, I, the, the term I use is put you guys over uh, any way that I can help put you guys over to steal a wrestling term. Uh, I'll put you guys over because we got to grow the Marshall family. You know, uh, hopefully we get more people to be in the stadiums and the coliseums and wherever to witness magical moments because that's where you get hooked, right? Yep. That's, yeah. you know, you, you watch Pennington and Moss or you watch, uh, you know, Byron Lipwich do something magical, uh, you know, uh, or you watch Skip Henderson, you know, a drain of three. That, that's just some magical moment that will live with you forever. And we got to get a whole new generation uh, of people who bleed green, uh, just like the three of us do. And, uh, you know, Marshall needs to become more than Huntington, more than even the tri-state region. Uh, you know, we, we, we are and need to be a national brand uh, where people from far away feel like they know Marshall and that they love Marshall and that they know the story. So um, that's the only thing that I would say. I, I've been a Marshall fan for a really, really long time. Uh, like I said, my aunt went to school there. My mom went to school there. My wife went to school there. Uh, her mom, uh, you know, lots of people on our family. I was the first person in my dad's family to go to college. And Marshall just means so much to me because every good and decent thing that I've ever been able to do in my life, uh, I've been able to do uh, because of my Marshall degree. The things that I did at Marshall, I was in ROTC. I got my commission there as a second lieutenant. Uh, I was on the debate team at Marshall. Uh, so it's more than just athletics with me. I believe in everything that, that Marshall does. I believe in, in its mission in West Virginia and the tri-state area. And uh, doggone it, I'm just ready for some good times again. You know, yeah. uh, uh, some, some magic on – 
on the field. Uh, I, I want to hear about Marshall alumni doing uh, great and wonderful things, uh, you know, like President Smith has done and, and others. Uh, and and there's, there's a whole group of Marshall alumni. Who you'll, you may never read their names in the papers or anything like that or whatever, but going out and just doing uh, great and wonderful things uh, out in the world and in all kinds of different endeavors. So I can't thank you guys enough for what you do here on this podcast, because this is a 21st century world we're living in. And, you know, what, what worked in the 80s or what worked in the 90s, what even worked in the early 2000s, isn't going to work uh, in the 2020s and the 2030s. And Marshall has to position itself to be ready to take on uh, a 21st century world. And, and that's all I want to see. You know, I just I want to see the absolute best for Marshall, the city of Huntington and, and for the state of West Virginia. And um, anything I can do, I'll help that. Follow me on Twitter at Stephen P. New. Uh, I have a wrestling podcast called The House of Kayfabe. Uh, if anyone would like to hear me come on and uh, talk old school and even some new school uh, wrestling. And, uh, you know, uh, maybe you'll be reading about me in the papers here. I have a lot of really uh, interesting litigation going on. Our firm is in growth mode. Uh, we'll add three lawyers this year and just uh, – Man, life's good, and I, I can't appreciate it. Uh, say thank you guys enough for uh, for having me on your podcast. Ah, you're welcome, man. It's great to hear, you know, when one of us does well, we all do well, right? That's kind of the way. I, Marshall's such a small family. It's kind of the way it feels. Um, but great, man. I'm glad you guys are growing. I'm glad you guys are expanding. You're you're putting those fingers out into new uh, new ventures and having a good time doing it. Russ, take us yeah. out of here. Now, give me some well, go, give me some final words before we get out of here. Final word for me, we talked about it, I believe, two shows ago, and we were wondering who was going to be the vice president of intercultural affairs and student affairs. And uh, we kind of hoped that our longtime friend, Mar Dr. Marcy Sims, would, uh, would win as she was a finalist. And she was named uh, last weekend into officially named last monday um so welcome dr marcy sims we know you'll do great and uh it's good again to have a uh, like we talked earlier she's a daughter of marshall so uh other than that i have to give a shout out to 304carwreck.com the show's sponsor please go uh like them on uh, facebook go to their website check them out uh, and also the sponsor for uh, five things every herd fan needs to know, Ignite Link. We'll have the links to their stuff in our uh, descriptions and we'll shout them out on social media. But thanks to all you guys. Yes, and we'll also uh, have the contact info for Stephen P. New and the New Legacy um, uh, Sports Agency, as well as I want the link to your podcast in case somebody is so inclined to listen to that. I would really like to put you in touch with my brother-in-law because, like I said, he loves wrestling. Um, I'm sure you guys could talk. Absolutely. Let's do that. I mean, I don't want to say ad nauseum, but you could probably talk ad nauseum wrestling with Aaron. But anyway, thank you so much, Stephen P. New, for joining us. 
Um, we're going to get out of here. We ran two and a half hours. What a great show. What a great freaking show. Um, yeah. Instead of this week, I'm not going to see you around the Joan, and I'm not going to see you around the dot. I'm going to see you from the Stephen P. News Suite in the Cam Henderson Center. And uh, we'll see you <laughs> next week. It's the Thundercast. We're out of here. Later. Peace.